Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Chris Gordy of Sports Talk 790 down there in Houston as he was able to be hanging out down there for the Final Four and uh, will be part of the national championship coverage tonight as well. Chris, as always, man, appreciate you joining us. How's Houston treating you? Uh, it's good, man. Yeah, it's funny. I'm glad you mentioned the two teams that are playing because I would have had to check my notes again just to make sure there's, there's that much buzz surrounding this game here. Well, let me, okay, so let's start with that. It, like, there's been this topic of, oh, you know, this is bad for college basketball. Nobody cares about these teams. Obviously, UConn's a blue blood. San Diego State's kind of the wild card in it. But, uh, I mean, is that kind of how it is right now? Is there going to be not as many people there? Is the interest not really there as much as it would be for other teams? Just what's the vibe like? Yeah, it's just it, – it's San Diego State. I mean, them combined with FAU that was, you know, here in the Final Four that, that San Diego State beat them with the game winner. Um, whichever team came out of that side, there just wasn't going to be as much buzz. I mean, we could say this. I mean, both teams deserve to be here. And I do think UConn is you – know, I don't know if I'd put them in the traditional blue blood category, but in terms of basketball powers, they they have been – you know, from the Jim Calhoun days to now, uh, obviously Kevin Ollie won a title there. Uh, so, I mean, they, they've, they've been a player. So, the UConn sign is good, but, man, I wish we had a Kansas or a Baylor or a Kentucky or North Carolina or a Duke. You know, it's just it, it, it's missing that name recognition. It's just so interesting in parallel to the women's tournament, which is right up the road in Dallas. You know, they had four teams that were all Power Five teams. But Iowa and Virginia Tech weren't exactly powers, uh, or even LSU for that matter. I mean, it's been a decade removed since LSU was making all those Final Four runs. So for them to get the support that they had, they had star power uh, on top of, you know, just, you know, Power Five programs. And so when I look at, you know, the, the top lead story across sports today is Caitlin Clark versus Angel Reese and the, the you can't see me and pointing at the ring finger. You know, the, the fact that that was the most resonating story, it's because Caitlin Clark became such a face of this tournament run for Iowa and Angel Reese and Kim Mulkey and LSU and all that. You know, go ask the average person on the street right now if they can name anybody who plays for UConn. Uh, I think that's what is tough about this tournament is that it's been entertaining and there's been some good games. And like I said, San Diego State was really fun watching the game winner the other night. But, man, like, name five players that are playing on the court tonight. The average person can't, and that's where it's lacking. It's lacking star power. San Diego State is a team that's known for their defense, but they came up big offensively, especially at the end of that game. They shot 44% from the field and then 50% from three-point range. So what's the best way for them to go about trying to get this win against UConn tonight? Yeah, I mean, that's the problem with facing this UConn team is they have – just outscored everybody that they've played and they've done it with tough physical defense. Um, you know, they, they've held opponents to, to not such great shooting percentages. And so if I'm San Diego State, I got to come out and I got to put that foot on the gas pedal. Like you said, it looked like they didn't have a problem shooting. You know, sometimes you worry about the playing in the football stadiums. And I went there uh, on Friday just to check it out, watch the shoot around. And I was surprised how well the teams were shooting and shoot around just because, uh, you know, you get that big open void behind the court. You know, it's elevated, it's boosted up. They do do a good job of bringing in the seats, you know, the bleachers and all that. So there are a lot of seats surrounding it. But 
man, if you if you you know depth perception does sometimes play a factor in this thing, but it did not hurt San Diego State at all in that Final Four game on Saturday. I mean, nine of eighteen from three was absolutely ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, they're going to have to play at that same level to beat UConn tonight. But if I'm giving out my prediction, guys, that just what I've watched of this UConn team throughout the tournament, every game as they've won by by double digits, they have just poured it on the teams that they've beaten and. I think that's going to happen tonight. I think UConn wins by double digits. I think I saw a stat too, Chris, where if UConn beat – I don't think it would be tough for them to break the record, but if they end up winning, I think it's something like 15 points tonight, which I think is possible considering how they played, it would be the second most dominant performance in NCAA tournament history for a team winning a championship since uh, the 1996 Kentucky Wildcats as far as margin of victory goes. Uh, Arkansas faced them, and they were just a whole other animal too. Uh, what you've seen, if they do that again tonight, win the championship, uh, where would you put UConn as far as maybe one of the all-time most dominant teams, especially when it comes to the NCAA tournament in history? Yeah, I mean, I think we'd have to call it what it is and say, yes, it was one more dominant showing. But, you know, I go back to, you know, who what did you, who'd you do it against? I mean, St. Mary's was a pretty good team, but maybe a little bit overrated. You know, Arkansas was a good, solid squad that they beat. Gonzaga was really good. But I would say Miami wasn't, you know, that, that they were a team that was overachieving and maybe didn't really deserve to be the Final Four. So um, it's all in it's all in hindsight. I mean, we'll see what they do. And we'll see what some of these guys don't go on to be. I mean, is Sonogo going to be a big-time NBA player? Hawkins? I mean, so it, it'll it'll be curious to look back in, in, in retrospect to see how they how they do. But, um, yeah, that's that's an interesting one. If they win, if they win by 15 tonight, uh, yeah, I don't know how you don't look back and say it was one of the most dominant showings to, to beat every team by uh, by double digits. I think it's so impressive. You mentioned Hawkins there. Have you heard anything as far as the latest on him? He, he was dealing with a sickness going into the game on Saturday, and you could tell that it really affected him. He started the game, but, you know, most of the, the play, especially in the first half, he played slow, and then he kind of picked it up a bit in the second half. But uh, you would expect that maybe he's feeling a bit better with a couple of days of rest now. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. And by the way, he he got sick eating at Mastro's, which is like one of the nicest steakhouses you've ever eaten at. Uh, they they came to Houston a couple of years ago and built it here. It's where the Kardashians eat out in L.A. all the time. And then when I saw what, what Jordan Hawkins said he ate, he said he ate uh, calamari and mixed with steak and mixed with lobster mac and cheese. And I'm going, bro, you're not supposed to mix all those things together. Yeah, of course you got sick. So I like how you tried to pin it on Mastro's, but it's like, dude, pick one thing. Are you going steak? Go steak. Are you going seafood? Go seafood. That dude uh, mixed it all together and his stomach didn't, uh, didn't appreciate it. So I, I expect him to be fine. I mean, you know, you guys saw him against Arkansas where he went off for 24. Uh, he had the 20 points against Gonzaga. I would expect that kind of effort for him tonight. If he's not scored in the 20s, then, uh, you know, maybe there's still some lingering effects of that squid. We're speaking with Chris Gordy of Sports Talk 790 here on the Jones and Sun Diamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Hotline uh, out of Houston. And, and, Chris, I know that with it seems like there's always cool little destination spots for the Final Four. And, uh, you know, this time being in Houston, uh, it seems like it's always on the West Coast or East Coast or in those cities. But uh, now having it in Houston and being at NRG Stadium, I'm curious your thoughts. You saw the women's being played in an actual arena, and then men's always gets played in a football stadium, a professional football stadium, whatever it may be. Do you think that that's, like, that's fine, they should keep doing it? I know that they're not going to change it because of the amount of money, but I've just always been somebody where if it's in a football, if you play in basketball arenas, 
have the championship in basketball arenas because not really any other sport ends up going from, oh, playing in this type of arena or this type of setup to, bam, playing in a different, completely different sport arena and then uh, trying to overcome it for all the reasons that you already brought up. Well, well, you saw the other day, John, I sent you a DM of, of the view from the press box at NRT, and it's, I mean, I like, literally, I'm, I'm going to go over to the stadium here in a little bit and do some pregame stuff, and I'm going home to watch it at home because it's, it's absolutely stupid to sit in a press box where you are hundreds of feet up in the air away from a basketball court. From that aspect, yeah, I, I wish we could play all, all Final Fours and championship games in at least an NBA arena. But I get it. They they, they can sell sell a ton more tickets and put more butts in the seats and you know sell it uh, for a higher ticket value and all that. I get it. But look, man, the, the um, and we'll see what the seating looks like tonight. We'll see how many butts are in the seats. And you know, I think that's the only thing that could maybe change this is if demand went down a little bit, if fans stopped going. Um, I get it. It, it. It's fun being there. My wife's a Kentucky grad. She was there in the Superdome in 2012 when Anthony Davis and uh, Coach Cal won it, but she'll admit to you, she could barely see who had the ball. She was like, oh, who has the ball? Bring it up right now. Like, you end up watching the whole thing on the Jumbotron because you can't, you don't have a good perspective of the court from where you are. So, I don't know. I, I wish we could change it. I wish there was a way to go back. But, of course, uh, NCAA, they're making way too much money on people buying tickets, and demand is so high that they're going to keep putting them in, uh, in, in football stadiums. But from just from a perspective of being there, it sucks. It's, it's absolutely awful. When I'm in the press box and it looks like ants down the court, yeah, I'm going to go home and watch it on my uh, 4K uh, HD television because I get a better perspective. Chris, what were the crowds like for the two games on Saturday? Are we talking about it being half full or, or completely full? Or, you know, what, what was the crowd? Well, let me set the stage for what you had going on in Houston this weekend. You had the Houston Astros, the reigning uh, World Series champion Astros opened at home this weekend against the White Sox. They played Thursday night and the ring ceremony Friday. They had all kinds of giveaways Saturday and Sunday, so you had that going on. You had the Houston Rockets in town. They played the, the Pistons on Friday, and then the Lake Show last night, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So two Rockets home games, so they, they sold a ton of tickets there. There were celebrities all over the place. And then you had the champion, you know, the Final Four on Saturday night. You had the two games, and then you'll have the championship game tonight. I've seen so many celebs and people around town. I saw uh, Coach Musk was at the uh, one of the Astros games over the weekend. So shout out Eric Musselman coming to uh, check out the Astros. But it, uh, it it's been a good sports weekend, man. If you were in town, even just for the Final Four, why not uh, go check out and get a ticket to an Astros game or a Rockets game and see what everything you know is going on this weekend. So it's been a lot of fun. There's been celebrities left and right all over the place. Bumped into Coach Cal on Saturday morning. Um, and, and uh, you know, rappers and, and entertainers and everybody and the like. So it's been fun. Uh, it'll conclude tonight. Like I said, I'm curious to see what butts in the seats will look like with it being San Diego State. But uh, just a really, really cool, uh, you know, environment. And, and it was the nice weather. I mean, it's 70s every day. This is nicer than, uh, you know, when they go up north for some of these things. I remember my friend who went up to uh, the Final Four in Indianapolis a couple of years ago. So it was snowing and just cold and frigid and awful. So uh, it's been great. But, uh, again, if I could change this thing, I would take it out of a football arena. It just ruins it for me. So, Chris, uh, obviously the tournament will come to an end and the college basketball season will come to an end tonight. But just looking back on the NCAA tournament, there were a lot of surprises. But what would you say was the most shocking thing from the NCAA tournament this year? 
Oh, gosh. I mean, I, I'd have to go back. Some of those first-round losses. Uh, it was in Virginia. Did they lose to Furman? Uh, if I recall, I'm trying to think back. It's been a couple of weeks now. But, I mean, to, I guess the most shocking is the fact we didn't have a one, two, or three seed in the Final Four. I mean, that, that to me, the way I saw Houston and Alabama play all year, I just thought it was a lock. At least one of those teams was going to make it to the Final Four. So, to me, that was shocking. Uh, the SEC getting three teams into the Sweet 16 and then everybody getting ousted immediately, uh, that was pretty surprising. So, yeah, that was a lot of shockers, man. And, um, you know, just from an SEC perspective, I'm looking at the uh, the rankings of, of, of classes coming in next year. I talked to Calipari on Saturday. He was raving about the number one overall recruiting class he's got coming in. So Kentucky's going to reload. They'll, they'll have the, the most talent they've had in probably a decade at Kentucky, so they should be – you know, competing for a one seed next year. I think Arkansas is going to reload. Uh, you know, great news in, in uh, Trevon coming back, uh, you know, next year. So that that's big. Um, you know, I think I think Arkansas is going to have a chance to be right back in. I think Auburn, um, Tennessee will be back. So the SEC should be just as dominant next year. I've already saw, you know, one of Yale's best players just transferred to Florida. So uh, we're going to be seeing some reloading, and uh, I think the SEC will be even stronger next year in men's basketball. Did you make your way over to the Astros and check out some of that first uh, series there? They had the banner ceremony, first pitch, you know, a lot going on as far as celebrating them for being World Series champs. Yeah, I did, man. Um, it was, they, they split the series with the White Sox. I'll tell you guys this, yeah, that, that central division kind of stunk. I know the, the Guardians kind of ran away with it last year, but I'll tell you right now, this White Sox pitching staff is loaded. Dylan Cease finished second in the American League last year. Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, Mike Clevenger. I think the, the White Sox are going to be a problem in a lot of people's uh, – or forward in a lot of people's sides this year. So, I liked what I saw out of, uh, out of the White Sox. And uh, Astros will be fine. They're, they're, they're without Altuve and Michael Brantley for a couple weeks. But once they get healthy, I think they'll be right back in this thing. But, uh, no, it was a fun opening weekend of, of baseball. Aaron Judge hit a couple homers. Uh, my guy who's a Braves fan is, is telling me Braves are going all the way. So it's uh, it's fun. It's only a couple games in, but it's always fun to overreact to what we saw just four games in. Well, and it's also fun, too, to know that uh, people's reactions continuing on with pitch clock and all of that. It has sped up the game. It's starting to prove that uh, these games are getting over with. I think I saw one that got over with like two hours and nine minutes, which is just absurd for a Major League Baseball game. But and I don't know how you're feeling about it, man, but it just seems like to me maybe some pe- more people are starting to come around on this pitch clock and enjoying the action being a lot more frequent than what it has been previously. Yeah, the, uh, the, the average game so far uh, through the weekend is, is about two hours, 38 minutes. That's down from the average of three hours, nine minutes a year ago. So just right at about a 30-minute shaving off of the game times. And I think it's fun. It's more action. Stolen bases are up. Uh, batting averages are actually up, so we're seeing more hits with the lack of a shift now. So it's all good. It's more entertainment. It's more action. And i got to be honest, when I was at Saturday's game, I uh, I got caught in the beer line, and I missed the whole inning. So it, 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 it's speeding up, but, man, we got to do something about the concession lines and the bathroom lines to get those going because uh, I even heard our radio guys over the weekend a couple times, the play-by-play, you know, they come out of commercial break and they're already going, and it's an 0-1 count to Chaz McCormick. I'm going, wait, I'm missing pitches on the radio broadcast because it's moving that quick. So it, it's good. It's good for the sport. And, uh, you know, frankly, I feel like college baseball is moving along as well. Uh, the SEC, we've seen some 
faster games there as well. So I like it. I think it's better for the sport and better for the fans. NFL draft coming up, and the Texans have the second pick, so they ultimately can't choose their quarterback, you know, based on what, what the Panthers do. The Panthers, they'll have that decision. But as far as some of the quarterbacks at the top of the draft, who would you think is the best option for the Texans? Yeah, I still think it's Bryce Young. I still think they're going to take Bryce Young. I think it's, as of right now, I think it's going to be C.J. Stroud one and Bryce Young two to the Texans. And there's just too many connections there with D'Amico Ryans being the Alabama guy and Bryce Young being the Alabama quarterback. Uh, Texans are trying not to show their hand. They did not send their GM, head coach, or OC to any of the pro days for Will, Will Levis or Anthony Richardson or Bryce Young or P.J. Stroud. So they're trying to keep their cards close to the vest. They'll bring all those guys in for uh, individual workouts. But I think at the end of the day, they can't not take their franchise quarterback. I mean, they, you know, somebody told me today, but Will Anderson is that good. I said, yeah. Uh, you know, go look at how many teams in years past have an elite pass rusher but no quarterback and tell me what their win-loss record was. You, you cannot be a viable team in the NFL if you do not have a good top 15 or top 10 quarterback. So, uh, at the end of the day, I think it's going to be Bryce Young. And um, I think the Colts will end up with Will Levis, and I think Anthony Richardson will end up in Seattle, and we'll see three SEC quarterbacks all go in the top five. Have you seen a quarterback like Anthony Richardson just skyrocket as far as uh, when the season ended and, you know, going through the combine to where, at least from what I all saw, is just, you know, he was was a player that would get drafted and everything to bam. Now suddenly he's being talked about as a first-round pick. It just seemed like he skyrocketed his status uh, just in a matter of a few weeks. Yeah, it used to be, guys, that you couldn't coach accuracy, but that's kind of turning around now. We saw a guy like Jalen Hurts who was very inaccurate, his, his first year with the Philadelphia Eagles, suddenly become an accurate quarterback these last two years to led the Eagles all the way to the Super Bowl. So I think people look at, look at it that way. They say, yeah, Anthony Richardson was only about 53% completion percentage last year, but part of that was Billy Napier. Part of that was a lack of weapons. Let's get him into an NFL team with a good system, a good quarterback coach, and good receivers, and we'll improve that accuracy. So uh, we'll see. He's a freak of an athlete, but I have my suspicions that you know, this will pan out and he'll become a successful NFL quarterback, but we shall see. Well, Chris, uh, before we let you get out of here, man, I know you feel like UConn's going to win tonight, but uh, you got like a prediction. You say it's, is it going to be as money points as what uh, we've been talking about? Yeah. I, you know what? I haven't seen the over under, but I would say something like UConn, uh, UConn 75, San Diego State, something like 61, 62. So I don't know what the over under is set on, but that's, probably where I would go. I think UConn plays enough defense, and San Diego State is out of their groove enough in that second half that uh, UConn pulls away by double digits. Well, there you have it. Yeah, it should be a great one. Hopefully it's a great game. I don't know why it wants to see an epic blowout, but the way UConn's playing, it's hard to bet against them. But Chris, as always, man, we appreciate you joining us. Enjoy the national championship game tonight. Not from not from uh, NRG Stadium, but at least from your house. A little bit better view there, too. And uh, enjoy the rest of the week, man. And I know we'll be catching up with you later down the road. Yeah, man, if I stay for the game, I'll tweet out a picture of my GC to see uh, the microscopic players on the court.